And there's so much busyness and garbage that crowds our lives out and crowds out your voice. God, break through today. Calm our hearts and our minds. Speak through Bill now in Jesus' name. Amen. Testing. Testing. All right. Thank you. Thanks for singing. It was awesome. I, uh, first service, I mentioned something that I saw last week while Pat was speaking. And uh, with all of our busy lives and the busyness that people demand, and I think sometimes we just put our demands on ourselves, but I got a really good illustration uh, during the service because I decided to sit in the back row and just watch. And I observed everybody just tuned in to Pat. They were just looking at him. And then the distraction came. A lonely wasp decided that it would go, and it just looked like it picked everybody out. And pretty soon we had only one focus. And it was on this wasp. And I noticed that all of Pat was saying, and that's all the people could hear because they looked at this wasp. And then some, was it you? All of a sudden over in this corner, all I heard was this, and everybody just sighed a relief, and they focused right back into Pat. So we're going to actually try to do something that I think will help us try to get rid of those wasps in our life today and try to help us be able to focus and hear God in a way that we were intended to hear him. God said, I've given you ears to hear and eyes to see. And yet sometimes who listens and who sees? And I think we have so many disturbances that they block us out uh, Last week, Pat did an awesome job of talking about in terms of picking Levi and the tax collectors and what, what a, a tax collector was like and that the, the religious people of that day were absolutely appalled. And so were the disciples, to be truthful. They were appalled that he was sitting with these people and fellowshipping with these people and drinking wine with these people. And they were blown away at that. And then it goes on, and uh, the next thing we're talking about, how come your people aren't fasting? They should be fasting and he goes and explains that. And, and then we, we're going to pick up today and we're going to look at a familiar passage that, that we've heard. And I'm going to try to kind of unveil it for you uh, in terms of what I believe that God is trying to point out to us. And what I think he was telling these people back here. And then I want to do something unique today. I'm going to pick one of the topics that uh, he talks about in today's reading and I want to see if we can somehow move it over and apply it into our lives. I am with you applying this myself because this is a topic that my heart resonates with, but my body, uh, my soul has not quite grasped it. So I'm kind of on a journey with you. If you will open your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. We're going to pick up at verse 21. Mark chapter 2, verse 21. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it and the new from the old, and a worse tear results. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost or spoiled, and the skins are spoiled as well. But put new wine into fresh wineskins. It came about that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples began to make their way along while they were picking the heads of the grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, See here, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and became hungry with his companions? 
how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and he ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except for the priest. And he gave it also to those that were with him. And he was saying them to them on the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Consequently, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now I want to go back to this illustration of the wine and the wineskins, and I want to try to kind of unveil that to you, for you a little bit as you think with me and reason with me in it. What he is saying and what he is not saying are very, very important. He's saying that what they, you cannot do is you cannot take a new wine and put it into an old wineskin or it basically will cause it, it'll, it'll ferment, it'll cause it to explode and now you've lost both. You've spoiled both. You've made a, a, a lost in translation, so to speak, of what either of those meant. And you can't take an old one and put it in a new one. And in, in essence, what we're looking at here, and then we're going to walk it out, is that Jesus, if, you, if you'll kind of liken this, the wine is the, is the living life of Christ. He is the life. He is the wine. He, he basically says, take and drink from me. I am this new wine. You can't take the covenant that I have brought you and will bring to you when I die on that cross and I shed the blood. The new covenant will begin on that day and that hour, and you can't take what I'm bringing to you and put it back into the wineskins, which was the, the old law and the old standard of the laws of trying to, to uh, make your acceptance with God by your own performance and keeping all these rules. But he is not saying that these old rules and these divine truths and ordinances and ways of God are bad. The law is not bad. The law is good. The song that they were singing, it said, and Jesus was truth from uh, ages back. It was like, these are truths. And so, but how do you do this? How do you, how do you look at all of these things in the old covenant and the rules and the ordinances and the precepts and the, and the ways of God? How do we mix these two? You can't take those laws and try to put them into the new covenant either. They were designed for a certain specific reason. You see in here, and you will see in the next couple chapters that we're going to be talking about, they were constantly doing what he asked them not to do. They were trying to uh, take this new and put it in the old, and it was just making everything obsolete. And we have seen this, you have seen this, we have done this, I have done this, and today you see what religion has done. They hold to some things, they deny some things, and, and they've kind of mixed it up where now the, the new life and the wine of Christ, it, it somehow doesn't blend with this. So you've got a mixture of it, and the problem is that both the pictures of the, of the ways of God are destroyed and soiled, and so is the picture of the life of Christ in us destroyed. And so we throw up our hands. And so what I want to take and look at here is I want to look at uh, appropriate day. Today is October 23rd. It's the Feast of the Tabernacle. And uh, it is kind of a, a day of finally the crops have been brought in and we are now going to celebrate all that God has given to us and we're going to go ahead and celebrate this and rest in this and, and declare that this is good and that things are okay. And it starts today. So I want to talk to you about the Sabbath. Now see, 
Even that word Sabbath, to some of you get a little nervous. Okay? Uh, we've heard what people have done, and, and we've no known some of the early uh, teachers of religion in the United States that they have made the Sabbath something that everybody fussed over. You see, Sabbath isn't a day we're supposed to fuss over. It's a day we're supposed to let God fuss over us. And, and so I want to try with you, if you'll kind of be patient with me, and I've not talked out this out loud. Obviously, the first service, I'm not sure they even knew what I was saying, but we're, we're hopefully we're going to get together here, is I want to go ahead and try to take this new wine of the life of Christ and let's put it into the new skins, which is the Sabbath, the time of rest, and see if we can kind of look at it and see why and how now with a new covenant this can make sense. Now before we start, we've got to once again give you a conclusion here, at least a summary, that when Jesus was talking about the new wine, he is the life, he is the way, he is the zoe, he once again is telling you that he reflect what man was supposed to live like by letting the Father in all of his uh, deity live inside Jesus as man and let the invisible God be made visible to people by yielding to letting him live in him. This was God in man, Messiah. The word is, is, is Christ in man, God amongst us. And he said, and then when I go, you should rejoice, you guys, because when I go, you will be able to have me and you in the same way that I had the Father and me. This is the new wine, the new skins. Now let's try to take that and let's patch Sabbath on this and see how this can make sense. First thing I need to tell you is the ways of God, the precepts of God, the ordinances of God, the laws of God, don't be so frightened by them. They're actually for your and my benefit. They're not bad. They'll protect us if we'll let them be what they're supposed to be. Sometimes when people get grace, they think, okay, grace, and so they, they go like this to every law that comes up, and we're foolish to do so. God says they're made to protect you. They were made to protect man. The Sabbath was made to protect us. Whether you know it or not, and I'm really beginning to realize this, I, I hate to admit it out loud. Somebody says if you speak it out loud, it can come you know, into excess, but I need to tell you this. I'm getting older. <laughs> and I'm getting tireder. And things that I used to be able to do, I just can't seem to do anymore. Grandchildren wipe me out. I love them. I love to spend time with them. I can't wait. I, I, I love to be with them. I love sometimes to be away from them. But if I have them at my house, well, they are now for, for quite some time. They've been there three months. And it is amazing how tired I get. I go do certain things, and I just get worn out. I was, I was this week, I had the honor of uh, uh, visiting with some dear friends of mine. Uh, Brandon and Amanda Teglio were over at our house, and they were talking to me about going to Italy, and they did this extreme running. I don't, what do you call it? Ultra run? Ultra run. And I thought, what's an ultra run? And they said, well, anything over a marathon is an ultra run. And my, just, my mouth dropped. You run further than a marathon. They left, and I said, I'm just a slug. <laughs> I can't do anything. Then I watched 
my daughter-in-law with four kids all sick this week. All night, one throwing up, the other one, it's like all night, and I said, I'll take the marathon any night. <laughs> and we tire. Whether you know it or not or you're honest with yourself, God says, a Sabbath is for your good. I want you to know you are a human being and you were made to depend on me and you were made to need rest. And if you don't get rest, you are going to get in trouble. There's a verse that says in the, uh, when you find yourself slack in the day of distress, your strength will be completely limited. Let me give you an interpretation of that verse in Proverbs. It says this, when you find yourself tired, slack, you just don't have your energy, and the day of distress comes to you, which it will come because you live on a world where stress and panic and things come to you, you are going to find yourself a complete wreck. You're going to find yourself wiped out. So he says in there, so here, therefore do this. Take care of your body and your soul and your spirit. Nourish them. Use the right supplements that, that give you the opportunity to fight a, a, a place where there's lots of toxins and things in here. Exercise your body so it's ready to respond. And then he says, and make sure you get sleep and rest because that is where the day begins. You know that the day in the Jewish calendar and in the Bible started at night? It started when you went to bed and slept. It was not the end of the day. We kind of use Sabbath as saying, we drag ourselves to the Sabbath and say, fill me. It was actually supposed to be the start of the day. So it's good for you. It isn't a law that you have to uh, hide from. It, God designed it for our good. We're designed for rest. And it's wise. It's wise. Now, just an example in the Bible, uh, it talks about being careful not to owe any man anything. Don't go and have these big debts on your life. And now God is not saying if you have debt, you're a horrible sinner and I don't like you. That isn't what he's saying. He's saying life gets tough and it's not as freeing if you owe a whole lot of money to people. So it's wise to not owe money. That's all he's saying. And if you're wise, and some of you I've talked to were in debt and got out of debt, and you're saying, man, I can't believe how free it is to live debt-free. Now, it's just a good way to try to live life. It's the same way with the Sabbath. He says, remember the Sabbath. It's designed to protect you human beings so that you will be reminded you're human. Now, let's see where this begins. Way back when God created heaven and earth and he created the creatures and the animals and all of the garden and everything else, and then the seventh day it said God rested and said it is good, it is complete. What he literally was saying at that time is he was saying, I am utterly satisfied. I'm utterly satisfied. I'm going to stop, and I'm going to look, and I'm going to observe, and I'm going to listen and say, wow, I'm utterly satisfied. Roll the clock ahead 2,000 years, and you've got Jesus on the cross hanging after he had done what he came to do is to take our sins upon him so he could pour his life into us for exchange for his sins and we could have, therefore, the holiness of God residing in us on the cross when he was hanging there. Remember what he finally says? Tis telestai, it is 
finished. I am utterly satisfied. And then he says, now, you also remember a day of rest, not as a law, but for you to be reminded what I did for you, what I have done for you, that I came and lived in you and I took away your old identity and made you a brand new person, made after the holiness and righteousness of God. You don't have to go out now and get in this busy, busy world and try to make who you are by how you perform and, and, and make who you are by how much you own or what you look like. You're okay because I declared you okay and you can say, I can rest because I am utterly satisfied with what you have done for me. That makes sense? So I want to encourage you to join me in a day of rest. Pick any day that you want. You don't have to pick it on Sunday. But I want to warn you about something. I'm not a doomsday prophet of proclaiming what's going to happen, but I have a gut feeling, guys, we are in for a ride here in the next many years of our life. I think our country's at a place it's never been in. I think there is distress and, and trials that are coming down this chute, and God is saying, don't find yourself slack because this day is on its way. And I would like to have a congregation of people that are rested and ready for this battle when it comes. Be ready. Be ready. I had an email sent to me by my brother from Denver and I hadn't seen it anywhere around here, but I loved the email, and I sent it out to all kinds of you uh, because I loved it. Uh, I, in my own uh, excitement, I actually sent it to Steve. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure he said, I read it, okay? <laughs> I agree with it. And then I looked a week later, and it was all over the Facebook around here, and it was an article called by Max Licato, and it was basically on, he was gonna prophesy give you a prophecy of November 9th. That's the day after election. And he says, I have a prophecy for November 9th, what you're going to see when you wake up. And of course, the way he, he set it out there, you're kind of thinking, okay, is he leaning here? Is he leaning here? What's he going to see? And, and he makes you pretty excited the way he wrote the article. And then you open up the article, and you get right to the place of November 9th. When you wake up, you're going to look at the news, and you're going to say, there is a throne, and there is God sitting on the throne, and he's not shook up at all. He reigns over this universe. He reigns over the United States, and he's still sitting in his throne. He didn't stand up and go, oh, my goodness. He's still in charge, and he will be in charge, and he says, I will take the kings, the presidents, whatever, and I'll make the choices just like streams of water. I'll make them do whatever I want. I'm in charge. Don't worry. Don't fret. That's the prophecy for November 9th. Remember it. But you can't remember it if you don't allow yourself some Sabbath in your life, some Sabbath rest for you to stop and be still and say, I am utterly satisfied. That doesn't mean we don't go vote, we don't go do these different things. It just means we are human, he is God, we need rest. We're made to rest. We're made for nutrition, the right kind. We're made for exercise, the right kind. Just be ready so you're ready to go. An old song 
that I love. Uh, I, I wish I could sing, Tom. I would just blast it for you. And it's called Put Me In Coach, I'm Ready to Play. And it's, it's an awesome, awesome song. And he's, just, he's ready to go. He's ready to be in. He says, I'm ready. So the moment put me in, and he says, I want to play center field. I think for you guys and me is if we will honor the Sabbath the way God designed it for us, and I'm going to make some suggestions today, I think we can get ourselves ready. And I think if we do this, the, our senses, the five senses that God gave us will start to be more and more in tune with God. My sister, Marcy uh, Maddox, is teaching the girls a conference right now, and she's teaching it on Sabbath. Interesting. So I said, that's what I'm teaching on Sunday. So we sat down Friday, and we started comparing notes. And, and she made a comment that I, I really, really liked. I'd like to share with you. She said, when I learned Sabbath, and she has learned it way better than I have, I'm, I'm going to start with you guys. But uh, she says, one day I was just enjoying this presence of God and this peace of God, and I, would, I had moved all the things that disturbed me, and I was going along, and when I do that, it says, God seems to be, I can hear him. I can just get more in tune with him. And one day I was out, and I was kind of just going along, enjoying the Sabbath and resting and being restored, and God told me to, to get a jawbone of an ass. A jawbone, the jawbone of a donkey. So she says, I ordered it. This was over two years ago. This was before, the, many of you know that my son got a virus and it paralyzed him and he's kind of working his way back. But this was before this happened to him, before the virus. She did not know that all he, he always wanted a jawbone of a donkey to illustrate the power of God when the Shekinah came upon uh, Samson and it was a jawbone. He said, I've always wanted a jawbone to demonstrate God's strength, not Samson's. Came in and she was able to bring it to him while he was, he was still in his wheelchair. She said, that's how I think we get to hear God when we're quiet during the Sabbath. But we get so noisy, we're like, it's like the wasp going around all the time. We just can't hear. So I'm going to ask you to take a challenge with me. I don't care what day you pick, but I'm going to give you some guidelines just to say, you know what, God, I would like to see this new skin, which is the Sabbath, be embraced by the new wine, which is the life of Christ in me, and not be so frightened by Sabbath but let it be what it was designed to be. It was made for man to restore us, to say, wow, God, what an awesome idea to make me ready to hear you, to see you. And then when you're in the Sabbath, let all five of your senses be stimulated. Listen, smell. You know, that's, it's an odd deal to think that you can smell God, but there is a sense of that. Some of you know what I mean. Sometimes you'll be out, if you're ever on your bike, you're riding your bike or your motorcycle, you can smell things that you'll come upon a half mile ahead. Some of them you can go, oh, dead carcass. But some of them, jasmine, 
There might be a, and there's different smells, and some of them just bring joy to you, and some of them think, oh, there's death. It reminds you of how, how finite we are. But you'll be able to start to smell things, touch things, taste things. So let me give you some suggestions here to balance your life. It is a time for reflecting, a day of feasting, resting, worshiping, and playing. I have this saying, stop what is necessary and embrace that which gives life. Stop what is necessary and embrace that which gives life. Find what the desire of your heart is. And unless we believe that God is in charge and he is sovereign, you won't be able to take a Sabbath because you have too much to do and you won't be able to just stop and let those things go undone because if they don't get done, you think you're going to fall apart and not realizing that nothing ever gets finished ever in your life. Do you know that? That's why sometimes my wife thinks I'm crazy when I like little chores. I, I love them because I get to finish them. My job is always working with people's lives. You're never done. And when I'm working with you, usually God's working on me faster than he's working on you. And so it's, I'm never done. I've always got an unfinished product in my mind. So pick a day. And in that day, mark it down. Decide what activities you are going to cease from during that day. Yours may look entirely different than mine. And mine may look entirely different than yours. Okay? For me to go out, maybe to take a day and go out and ride a mountain bike could be a real joy of a Sabbath because I don't do it. It would be something entirely different. I wouldn't be in a race. But some of you that mountain bike every day says, I like to do that, I suggest you just walk. Take a nice, slow, brisk walk. I say that to people that walk a lot or run a lot. I said, just go walk. And it's not, okay, I'm going to time it. It's not to burn calories. It's to walk. I know I'm on a little bit of shaky ground here. One of the things that I might consider doing is having that day be a day that I don't open my Bible. Now, I tell you this, please hear me. I open my Bible hours every day, seven days a week. Every job I have has something to do with the Bible. Sometime God might be nice for me to shut it and just be still and listen to him. Many of you should open your Bible on the Sabbath, okay? God might be saying, we're going to get into the Word on this day. That might be a novel idea, a novice idea. Find what brings delight to you. It isn't a time for fasting, by the way. That use fasting, we'll talk about that another time. It's a time to celebrate and say that you're ultimately satisfied. It might be a time to eat things you don't get to eat. It might be time just to say, you know what, God? This is all about you. My body, my health is in your hands. Find what brings desire to you and let God be a part of it. If possible, do it in community. 
That means if you have people in your family to do that, let them be a part of it. Our Sabbath in the past has become our Sunday, and it's a Christian busy day. We get up in the morning, we're fighting with our kids to get clean, we're yelling at them, we're getting them dragged in the car, we finally get them strapped in, and we're heading up the hill, and we're trying not to swear on the way up the hill, but we get up the hill, we get them in here, we throw them into the nursery, we run in here, we get our coffee, (sighs) we're having a Sabbath. (laughs) Maybe Sunday is not a good day for you to do a Sabbath. It's a day of rest. All I'm asking you to do is pick a day this week. I think if we as a community decided we were going to honor a day of a Sabbath, find out what your home looks like, the things that will work, one thing I would recommend, you don't have to do this, I'd recommend turn these off for a day. Take your iPad, your Kindle, your computer, Now, if you have to use the phone for just a phone, fine. I remember when Dr. Strand came, and he was so generous, and he gave me my first cell phone. I had to have two arms to carry it. And I put it in the car. Remember that? It was this big, and it'd pick it up. It was for making phone calls. (laughs) Some of you don't know that we used to just make phone calls on our phone. Some of you might go into withdrawals, but I promise you, if you get quiet and have Sabbath, you might start hearing God. And it will restore your soul. David says, this is David right in the middle of some of the most worst attacks coming on him. And he says, I lay down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord God sustains me. I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. You alone are my rest. Let me read to you something from a book called The Sabbath Rest. It says, The world seduces us with an artificial urgency that requires us to respond without listening to what is mostly deeply needed and true. In Sabbath time, we cultivate a sense of eternity where we truly can rest and feel how all things can wait. Turn them gently in your hands until we feel the shape and know the truth of them. The drive for progress forces us to act before we are ready. We speak before we know what to say. We respond before we feel the truth of what we know. Sabbath says, be still, stop. There's no rush to get to the end because we are never finished. In closing, I encourage you to make part of your Sabbath to get outside. I believe we were meant to touch the earth. I I believe we were meant to see the trees, to see what's out here. Make it part of your day to get outside. If it wasn't uh, so quickly after Steve's passing uh, because I, I said, I think we need to kind of move into something. I would have probably explained what Sabbath was and in five minutes said, we're done. Go enjoy your Sabbath. But I think some of you would have got a little nervous because it would be out of routine for you. 
but get used to it. We're going to get out of routine. Let's close in prayer. Father, you are so good. You didn't leave us down here, number one, without your life in us. And you didn't leave us down here without your written word that gives us a, uh, the guidance and the manual to how to live life. You didn't leave us here without other people to help comfort us and encourage us and let us see your face through them. And one of the things you told us was to take this very life of Christ put in us, and in that you told us to rest. I pray that we'll be obedient to pick a day to do so. We anticipate expectantly what you will do during that day. Tell us each individually what to remove from our lives that day and tell us specifically what to add. And we're going to trust you for the outcome of that because Jesus said we could ask you it. Amen. 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 Would you guys stand with me? We're just going to sing, He is Lord. And then Dave's going to pray. And if there's somebody who wants to meet with Dave for prayer or anybody else, just let us know. He is Lord. Sing it. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. David? something on your heart and you'd like to pray with someone, I'll be over in that part of the uh, auditorium this morning. Let's bow. Dear Father, thank you so much for this day and we just pray that we would spend some of that time with you and, and Father, just take Bill's words to heart and, and uh, set aside time just to be alone with you. These things we pray in Jesus' name.